You are listening to a message from Treeline Church, a life-giving church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. If you are in the Pittsburgh region, we would love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out treeline.church for times and location. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. So this week we are continuing our Anxious for Nothing series and really talk about some great timing. We actually kicked off this series the week before we found out we were no longer able to meet and gather together. And so this is something I really believe is great timing for us as many people are anxious in this season and really trying to figure out what this new normal looks like for this time. And honestly, even beyond dealing with any kind of virus or the fear of that or the anxiousness that we may feel in this season, this is something that many of us, myself included, deal with on a pretty regular basis. It's really natural many times pretty much a part of the human experience to feel anxious at some times about something in your life. Maybe it's a relationship or your job or having to make a decision, whatever it is. Anxiety is something that is a pretty familiar feeling to many of us. And as we've been jumping into this, it's something that I think that's important for us to remember as we talk about anxiety is that we really have to understand it's all about taking a holistic approach to the issue. See, as much as I'm a pastor and I'm going to talk to the spiritual side of being anxious, I really believe that it can be psychological, right? There can be physiological signs and symptoms of being anxious and dealing with anxiety. And sometimes we have to take different approaches. We're not just simply saying that if we just believe God or we can just simply pray away anxiety. See, I'm not a professional in the, in the medical field. I can't prescribe medicine to you. You probably don't want me prescribing medicine to you. And so I can't talk to it from that standpoint. And many times we have to get into counseling. We have to go see a doctor when we're talking about dealing with anxiety. But see, I'm a pastor and see, sometimes it can be physiological, sometimes it can be psychological, but I believe it's always spiritual. So that's what we're talking about in this series. We're taking an approach from understanding from the spiritual side of things, how do we deal with that anxiety and that stress that we feel. So our verse that that we've been talking about every week is from Philippians 4. And Philippians 4 was written by a guy named Paul and set up this story, as some of you may know. Paul was someone who was going through something that would probably make people pretty anxious. Paul had just recently been imprisoned. And he was imprisoned for something that he didn't even do anything wrong. He was doing something right. He was sharing with people about God's love. He was telling people about Jesus and that he had come to set them free. And so the people didn't like this at that time. And so he actually gets thrown into prison. And so he's in prison. He's in chains. He's not doing what he wants to do. And so he's probably feeling pretty discouraged. He's probably feeling pretty anxious. But the thing that's amazing when we start reading Philippians 4 in the very first part, Philippians 4, 4, the passage that we've been reading, it says this, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. I kind of picture Paul getting his dad voice out there. Why? Because he has to repeat it twice. If you have kids, you know you're always like, did you hear me? And then you repeat it again. You say it kind of slow and you're like, watch my mouth as I say it. And I feel like this is what Paul is saying to us. At least that's how I read it. Like he's saying it to me. He's saying rejoice in the Lord always. As a matter of fact, if you didn't catch it the first time, I'm going to tell you again, you've got to rejoice. And see, that's a really cute verse, right? That's something you'd see on a greeting card, maybe on your magnet, on your fridge, be a really nice quote to put on a mug, right? It seems really great. And it's it's honestly really nice to quote that to someone else. But when you're going through a situation, when you're going through something difficult, you don't want someone telling you to rejoice no matter what. Matter of fact, when you are upset and your car has broken down, maybe I'm just the only one, I've had a few cars that have left me stranded on 
on the side of the road in some really difficult situations. And the last thing I want to hear when I'm going through that is someone telling me, oh, hey, Brian, you need to rejoice. No matter what, I'm like, I'll tell you to rejoice. You can just rejoice your face right out. Like, you don't want to hear it, right? Matter of fact, it's kind of funny this happened to me. When we first launched the church, our first fall in November, we were doing a series on being gracious and having gratitude and how we were challenging people to don't post anything negative on social media. And matter of fact, the whole month, stay positive and post things that you're thankful for and grateful for. Just there's so much negativity out there. Let's be a cause for good and let's share some positive things that we can be thankful and encourage others for. And I kid you not, the Sunday that I announced that, at the end of the day, end of the service, everyone packs up and typically I'm one of the last, if not the last people to leave our building where we meet at PTC, and as I'm getting in my car, and I drive away, and I start driving down the hill, and everyone else is gone, I hear a sound that just starts thudding, 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 and I had a flat tire, and I'm not talking like one of those low tires, it was like the tire was a pancake, there was no air left in it, so here I am, stranded on the side of the road, deciding I've got to be positive in this moment, in that moment, I didn't need anyone to quote to me to be rejoiced, and I just wanted to pose terrible things, and how I was frustrated, and when you're going through something difficult, you have to ask yourself, the question, always rejoice? Rejoice in every situation? What about if your spouse lies to you? Are you supposed to rejoice then? What if you're going through something incredibly difficult or you're facing a health issue or you're battling cancer? Are you rejoice then? What, what about if you lose that scholarship at school? Do you, do you rejoice? Or maybe your boyfriend cheated on you. You're going through some serious relational turmoil. Can you rejoice in that moment? Maybe you know the familiarity of a, a child making really poor decisions. You're like, Brian, I don't know if I can rejoice in that. I don't, I don't even, I'm concerned about keeping my job and making rent. And now this COVID-19 thing's going around and I'm stuck at my home and I'm stuck at home with my spouse and with my kids. And in this moment, I'm supposed to rejoice. Are you kidding me? And this is something that Paul encourages us that no matter what, rejoice in the Lord always. Matter of fact, take a look at it again with me in Philippians 4, 4 through 7. This has been our text. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So I have to ask the question, and maybe it's just me, but when I read this and I understand that Paul wrote this from prison, he wrote this while in prison. And he's saying, no matter what, rejoice. And how can he rejoice when he's locked up? How can he rejoice when he was trying to do everything right and life's just coming at him, throwing all these curveballs, and he ends up in prison? How could he praise when his dream was to preach and go out and tell people about the goodness of God, and instead he finds himself in prison? See, I really think it's all about perspective. It's all about the perspective that we take of the situation that we're in. And I think what Paul here is teaching us, and there's something called the perspective of praise, the perspective of praise. Did you catch it that he told us that to not be anxious, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving? See, we've got to take this perspective of praise and see perspective. It just very simply means how you see something. Your perspective is just how you see a situation, the way that you look at it, the lens with which you interpret it. How do I see what's going on in my life? And so you can look at the same thing and see something very different. Now, I want to share a couple optical illusions with you, and this is something that maybe you've seen before. And I, I remember when I was a kid, the, the church that I went to when I was young in elementary school, 
on the big old wooden pulpit in the front. There was this little wood carving on the front. And for the longest time, I thought it was something like written in like Greek or Hebrew or it was just some symbols. I didn't know what it was. But one day when the preacher was preaching, I'm sitting there and it draws my attention. I see it. And for the first time, I actually see what it is. And we have a picture. We can put it up there so you can see and take a look. Some of you might be able to see this right away. And actually in between the wood carving says the name Jesus. But see, it's really interesting. It's all about the perspective. And once you see it, you can't unsee it. Every time I see this carving now, I instantly see the word Jesus. But it's about your perspective. Matter of fact, something that you might get more now is you might see these on social media. There's these things that you actually have to tilt your phone. Like you have to look at the screen. And if you just look at it, it looks like lines. And we'll put one up for you right now. You can take a look at it and see if you were to look at this, you would have to be like, I don't know what that says. But you've got to change your perspective. And they actually tell Tell you to tilt your phone, look about where your charging port is, and you'll be able to see what it says. And so this one actually says, God loves you. God loves you. That's what that actually says. Matter of fact, bonus points if you can figure out what it says in the other direction. I won't let you know what that one is. If you can see it and you can find out, I would like to see a picture of you pausing the video and trying to figure out what it says. But if you can figure out what it says, bonus points to you if you can name it in the comment section on Facebook or on YouTube. But I think the ultimate thing, the example for this, when we look at something different, I don't know if you've ever heard of a magic eye. Now, these came out or at least were really popular when I was in middle school. And I remember people were like, teachers had them. They're bringing in posters of them. There's like a, a book someone brought in of all these magic eyes. And if you've never seen one, it just looks like a bunch of picture, like colors. It's just like a, a texture of different colors and patterns. It's really not a picture of anything. It's just a bunch of colors. And I remember as everyone's looking at it and they're just staring at it and they're like, oh, I see it. Oh my gosh, I see it. I can see it. it's amazing. And I remember staring at this thing as hard as I could. And I thought people were just messing with me. I thought they're like, there's nothing really on this page. They're just like trying to like mess with people. It's just like they've tricked you into looking in there. But sure enough, they'd bring someone else in and they would look at it. And the harder they'd look at it, and they'd like, oh, I get it. I can see it. And I stared at it and stared at it and stared at it. And I cannot see what they're talking about. They're like, oh, it's so amazing. Look at it. It's a star. Look at it. It's a circle. Oh, I can see it. It's a monkey jungly, juggling bananas. It's awesome. I don't know if that's what the picture was. But they were just really describing these amazing images. But then all of a sudden, someone kind of coached me. And they brought me to the side. And they got the book. And they're like, no. You got to kind of look like this. You got to look through the pattern. You got to look through the colors. And then you begin to see it. And I remember looking at it for the first time. I'll never forget the first one I saw. It looked like a ripple, like a water droplet. And I was like, oh, my goodness, I can actually see it. And then all the other people who couldn't see it thought I was lying, but I really could see it. And that's kind of how perspective is. And the same is true of the word, root, root word for Latin for perspective. It's just to simply look through. You've got to look through, look through the situation through the perspective of fear and anxiety, or you can look through the perspective of praise. See, there's a really big difference there. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, you have the choice to take the perspective of fear and anxiety of being anxious, or you can take the perspective of praise. It's all on how you take it. Matter of fact, Paul encourages us in Philippians 1, 12, and 13. And I can imagine if Paul would have shared how he was really feeling, and there's lots of different translations in the Bible, right? 
There's the NIV and the the King James, and we know some of those more familiar ones, the message. But I actually want to share one to you from the BPV today. And this is not a real translation. This is one that's made up. It's the bad perspective version. And this is what maybe maybe Paul might have felt this way a little bit if he would have been in the bad perspective. So take a look. He says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me really sucks. God let me down. I'm overwhelmed with anxiety, depression, and hopelessness. Because of all the hell I've been through, I'm quitting small group and never going back to church. Now, I know that's kind of ridiculous, but that's kind of the bad perspective version of what Paul is taking, talking about. But let's, talk, let's see what he says with the perspective of praise. So he says this, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. You see the big difference there? Do you see what a perspective of praise can do? Instead of just looking it through the lens of, oh, woe is me, and I'm a victim, and I'm down and out, and look what's going on, and I'm anxious. And not that he, would anyone have judged him? Would anyone have said, Paul's not right? Of course he had every right, but instead he chose to take a perspective of praise. And the perspective of pain, see, he could have really been like, my dream is over. It's, I'm stuck here. I can't go out and preach. Maybe he was really starting to feel anxious. He can't breathe. He can't sleep at night. Maybe you've had some of those familiar feelings before. But instead of the perspective of pain, he chose to take a perspective of praise. See, and maybe he didn't see this right away when he was arrested and he was just tempted to think of all the bad things that could be happening, that he's going to be stuck there. He's never going to be able to fulfill the dream that God had placed in his heart to be used by him. But see, here's the same thing that happens with us that Paul knew that I want to remind you today, that God made you a promise that no matter what you go through, no matter what you've been through, no matter what you have faced, that he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never abandon you. And the situation that you face and what you are going through and the symptoms and the pain and the anxiousness that you feel is not a sign and a symptom that God is not near to you. Matter of fact, God has said he is near the brokenhearted. That that's what Jesus came for. He came for those who were broken, for those who were hurting, for those who needed a physician, those who aren't well. That is the God that we serve. And when we begin to understand that that's who he is, it'll begin to see things a little bit different and have that perspective of praise. See, Paul knew something, but when he was being used by God, he was actually being used while he was in prison. You might not know this, but he was actually chained to Roman guards. He was chained to people who had influence. A new person every eight hours was chained up next to him, and he got to tell them all about Jesus. He got to preach the gospel to them and tell them all about God. And then you have to ask yourself the question, who is the real prisoner in this moment, right? The person who's chained to Paul having to hear. They have no choice. They have to listen to what Paul is saying and proclaiming the goodness of God. And see, his perspective began to change. He said, right here in prison, God is using me. He's using this situation to continue to build his kingdom. Here's something that is really interesting as we read this and understand this passage in Philippians, is that this wasn't the first time that Paul praised in prison, that he wasn't the first time he was in prison. Matter of fact, he was in prison several times. And if we jump into the book of Acts and Acts 16, it says that Paul and his brother and his friend Silas, his ministry partner Silas, they were walking to a place of prayer. Essentially, they were going to a small group, right? And they're going to get together. They're going to spend time in prayer together, talking about God. And then something happens on their way. They see a girl who is demon possessed. And so they stop and they pray for her and they cast the demon out of her. Instead of everyone being thankful and having gratitude, They 
they flip out and they start beating them. And then the crowd that is beating them, the magistrate, the people in charge come and find them. And they're like, hey, yeah, that's right. You should beat them even more. And so this is what happens in Acts 16, 22. It says this, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates, the authorities, they ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. Can you imagine on your way to a small group, getting pulled over, getting pulled out, and getting beat and getting stripped and being told by the police that's what's going to happen to you? And so that's what happened. They were stripped of their clothes. They were physically beaten. They were bludgeoned. They probably looked terrible. And see, while they were beat and they were stripped physically, many times with anxiety and our anxiousness, the same thing happens. We're stripped of our confidence. We're stripped of our peace. We're stripped of our joy. And then we're beaten down with discouragement. And with our our doubts and the worries that we feel and we don't feel that we can take that perspective of praise. But something I think that's really that we have to admire here that he was serving God. Paul was just serving God. Paul and Silas just following after God, doing the right thing. And they were severely flogged and thrown into prison. Now, can you imagine this scene that they're in prison? They are just beaten, probably pretty bloody and bruised probably got some black eyes, maybe a broken rib. I don't know. It's probably pretty messed up, broken broken nose. They're laying there on the cold, hard prison floor. They're wrongly accused. They're violated. They're beaten. They're stripped. And then what do they say? You know what Paul says in this moment? Hey, now I got a really great idea. Why don't we do a night of worship? Like say what? After all of that, after everything that's going on, after you were just beat, wrongly accused and everything, he's like, yeah, let's, that, that sounds great. Let's have a night of worship. Let's begin to sing. Let's begin to praise God in this situation, this circumstance that we're dealing with. You can see it right there in Acts 16, 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. Oh, friends, come on. Don't you love this? The perspective of praise. That in the middle of their darkest hour, in the middle of their church, did you catch it? It was midnight. It was dark. The situation was bad, but they chose to take a perspective of praise. See, the guards made a pretty big mistake. They should have separated Paul and Silas, but instead they were together and they began to praise God. And here's what you've got to know. The enemy wants to isolate you. Matter of fact, the enemy is a sniper and he wants to do anything that he can to take you out. And the easiest way to take you out is when you are alone. And I know right now in this situation more than ever that we're socially distant, that we're not seeing together and we're not gathering, but I want to encourage you to not be alone. Do not deal with those anxious and that anxiety and that stress and that weight that you're feeling. You've got to have some people that you bring into that situation. If you're a Paul, you need a Silas who's going to worship with you. That's why it's so great that you go to church, that you get involved, that you're watching the live stream, that you can find some people who are just crazy enough in the middle of a dark moment to begin to praise and pray and believe that God has got you. See, did you notice this? That they were praising God while they were in prison. Not after God had set them free. Not after they were cleared of all charges. Not when God had answered the prayer. Not when things, when all the wounds had healed and everything was taken care of and everything was righted in the world. No, they began to praise God while they were in their darkest hour. And see, this is the praise for not the what God has done for you. It's not the praise for the what. It's the praise for who God is. 
Now, I want you to really catch that. It's not for the praise of what God can do for you. It's the praise of who God is. And when you begin to grasp the who God is, what you are going for will become irrelevant. And it's not that it doesn't hurt, and it's not that it's not painful, and it's not that it won't affect you, and it's not that God doesn't care about it because he really does. It's just that when you have a perspective of who God is, it changes the way that you begin to praise. See, this is the praise that comes before the provision. It's the praise that says, God, I choose to trust and believe in you, that you have my best interest in heart, that you've got my back, that you're with me no matter what. And so just a little spoiler alert for you as we continue to read this. During the middle of the worship for Paul and Silas, something pretty amazing happens. If you don't know the story, there was actually a pretty violent earthquake while they were singing. And when they sang, the, the building began to shake and all the doors began to open and the chains began to fall off of them and, and they were all freed and something amazing happens. And see, this thing, why does this matter so much that this, this happened, that as they're praising God, everything happens? See, here's what, that, why this matters, is that Paul wrote Philippians when he was in prison. And see, he knew that from his time, time before that God could have delivered him and he didn't and he still chose to rejoice. He was going to rejoice and praise God whether he delivered him or not. See, that's a really big deal. I'm going to praise God if he delivers me, and I'm going to praise God if he doesn't. That's the perspective that Paul took, that I'm going to praise God, that he is worthy of all the praise that I can give him in the midst of this anxiety and the darkness, even if I don't feel like it. I've been so thankful in these past weeks to be able to share with you some of my story. And I'm really thankful to be a part of Treeline Church where I have the opportunity just to be honest and to be transparent and not to feel that I have to have a cape on and make it look like I've got everything figured out. Because if you know me and the more you know me, you know the least of that is true. The, the, I, I have issues. I'm going through things. I have struggles. I've been through some very difficult seasons in my life. And I shared some of that. Matter of fact, at one time I had the joy of dealing with panic attacks. I don't know if you've ever dealt with one of those before. They're really awesome. You feel like you're literally dying. If you know what I'm talking about, you know how real it is. It seems so ridiculous if you're not going through it, but there were times I literally thought I was going to die. I just felt like this intense, overwhelming feeling, and it all started when I was in college, graduating college. I started having these panic attacks, and I wasn't sure what was going on, and so taking trips to the emergency room. They're trying to figure out doing blood tests, doing all these things, going to see doctors, and didn't know what was going on. I really thought there was something physically wrong with me, and so I had to choose to get the help. I had to choose to work through it, but here's what I did in the midst of working through it. I made the decision that if I woke up in the middle of the night with a panic attack, if I was out doing something and I started to feel that stress and that anxiety came on me, I made a personal decision that as soon as I felt that, in the middle of the night, as soon as I felt that panic start coming on, I made a decision I was going to get up right then and there. I was going to worship God. Whether I had music or not, I just put those hands up in the air and I'm God, I worship you. I love you, God. You are for me. You are not against me. You are a great God. And I chose to praise God. I'm like, if I'm going to go through this terrible feeling, I'm going to choose to give God praise through it. That we have praise and we take that perspective of praise. And even as I shared some of the story of what we went through, if you missed the first week of the series, I encourage you to go back and take a listen. And some of the things that I had to go through and, and starting a brand new church and pioneering and so much of the uncertainty of leaving jobs and having no home to go to and so much uncertainty of having to provide for your family and raising funds and all the stuff that was going in, it just got so overwhelming. And I was so fearful and wrapped up in the anxiety. And matter of fact, many times I was taking that bad perspective view instead of the perspective of praise. But then something began to happen 
as God began to change my heart and I began to realize that it didn't matter. It was just, I had to rest in security and knowing in my identity and who I was as a child of God. And I began to take a different perspective and just like, God, I'm gonna choose to praise you through the middle of this. It doesn't make sense. I'm still fearful. We don't know how this is gonna work out, but I'm still going to choose to bring you praise. But then something really amazing happened. Just like Paul realized and he recognized, I'm going to take the perspective of praise in this. Why? Because your kingdom is still going to be built. And I'm so thankful that God brought me through that season as we pioneer Treeline and all the uncertainty that goes around it. Why? Because I know that there are people who have experienced the love of God. I know there are kids who have heard about Jesus and that there's a God who loves them and has a plan for them. I've seen people get baptized, go public in their faith. I've seen people continue to turn their life around and draw closer to God and so I'm thankful to be able to go through those difficult times. I'm thankful when I feel the weight of being a leader of a church. I don't know what it's like to pastor in a pandemic. I've never done it. Matter of fact, none of us have ever done it. And so there's this stress and we could feel really anxious and be like, God, what are we going to do? But we can still take the perspective and praise and say, God, we believe you no matter what that you're going to build your church and the gates of hell aren't going to prevail against it. And we're going to continue to see lives reached and we're going to continue to see people turn their hearts to God. See, so I just want to, in Acts 16, 25 and 26, as we read, it said about midnight, Paul and Silas were praising and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. All at once, the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains fell off. They came loose. Can you just picture it? Paul's laying there. It's midnight. They're beaten, probably trying to fall asleep dealing with all the anxiousness of what they just go through. Paul reaches over, begins to shake Silas. Hey, Sai, Sai. That was his nickname, right? I mean, if you don't have a nickname for someone, how close to someone are you really? Come on. And so he wakes him up. Sai, are you awake? Hey, 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 Silas, why don't, why don't we sing together? Let's sing, let's sing some praise and some thankfulness to God. Let's, let's worship him together. And they begin to praise him. They begin to sing and they begin to worship who God is. They didn't worship what God had done for them. They were just simply worshiping him. And, that, and when that violent earthquake came and shook every corner of the prison and those prison doors came loose and the, and the chains came off. See, sometimes you've got to find this is to be true. That the key that unlocks your miracle is the sound of your praise. It's choosing simply to believe that God is who he says he is, that he will do what he said he will do, and that he loves you no matter what, no matter what situation it is that you face. See, today I just believe that there's someone here, maybe someone listening, someone watching that maybe today and maybe for the first time or maybe the first time in a long time, you're just gonna begin to praise God. Maybe your perspective is beginning to change and maybe your hands are still in chains. Maybe you're still going through that situation. Maybe you're still walking through that dark life part of life right now, but your hands are free to praise him. See, when we choose to praise and we have the perspective of praise, it says that if he breaks me out, I'm going to praise him. And even if I'm not and he doesn't, I'm still going to choose to praise him. Did you catch it? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say it. Rejoice in every situation, in every circumstance. Take the perspective of praise. As we conclude today, we're going to sing a song. and I'm going to ask you in this moment Maybe you just got to take a few moments, shut out what everything's going on in the room and just listen to this worship song. And I just really encourage you as the band leads us in this last song together, just to really engage. And, and here's the lyrics. It says, I count on one thing. The same God that never fails will not fail me now. 
you won't fail me now. In the waiting, the same God who's never late is working all things out. You're working all things out. And I love this chorus. Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Oh, yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my days. Yes, I will. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather online together. Lord, and I don't know what specific, specific situation or circumstance people are facing. Lord, we have a lot of things to be anxious about as a society right now. So much uncertainty with jobs, with schooling, with finances, God, with physical health. There's so much things to be worried about. And even beyond that, God, the things that just in our day-to-day lives, our relationships, God, all of the things that we deal with in our, in our home life, with our, our children or, or our parents, God, or whatever it is and in our jobs. God, I just pray that we would be able to take the perspective of praise. God, that even now as we begin to sing this song, Lord, that we would begin to praise you for who you are, not just what it is that you're able to do for us. God, that we will choose to say that we will praise you if you set us free and we will choose to praise you if we are stuck here in this prison. God, I thank you for the perspective of praise. And I begin, I pray that you will begin to change our perspective as we begin to see things the way that you see them, God, and begin to trust that you are who you say you are, and that you will never leave us, you will never forsake us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing this song together. Thanks for listening. If you would like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at treeline.church or on social media. Our mission is to see family trees changed by a lifelong relationship with Jesus. We hope you can listen or join us next week.